0: All right guys, welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this show and with me today is my friend and brother in Christ, Andreas Kosselberger. Andreas, welcome back to the show, brother.
1: Yeah, thanks so much uh, for having me, Dave. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I think this is like your seventh time on here or something like that. It should have looked. <laughs> it's quite a few times we we've uh, been able to chat. First time on video though. First time on video. yes. First time, yeah. It's great to see you. Well, can you uh catch us up on what's been happening in your life, marriage, ministry and what are you working on ministry project-wise?
1: Yeah, they, uh, thanks so much for asking and uh well, we're we're back in beautiful North Carolina where the our pear trees are blooming and we're enjoying a beautiful uh warm spring here. Um I've recently transitioned from uh serving full-time on a seminary faculty Uh, to being, a, might say, a teacher, writer, editor, speaker at large. So we have more freedom uh, over our own schedule and have more time to spend with uh, each other, my wife and I, with our children and with our first uh, grandchild. Um, My wife, Marnie, and I are slowly getting back to doing marriage and family retreats and conferences at churches and working on various writing projects. Uh, we both have new books uh, out or forthcoming books. My "A Life" is a new book on sanctification that'll come out in in June in the short studies in biblical theology with Crossway. That um, she and I are very excited about. It's such an important topic, and uh, she's honored to be the first woman uh, contributor to that series. So, and of course, my biblical theology is about to come out. Uh, uh, I'm also working on a major new commentary on the Gospel of John, Ooh. the uh, Evangelical Exegetical Commentary series, uh, the EEC series, for which I also serve as the New Testament editor. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. Well, we look forward to your wife's book. We'll definitely have to have her on as mm-hmm. well. I think we've had her on when you guys yeah. did that marriage yeah. book. So mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll definitely get her on here and talk as well. Can you tell us about this? This is an exciting project. I know that you've been working on it for a while. Biblical theology, a canonical, thematic, and ethical approach, uh, which you wrote with Gregory Goswell. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Tell us why you both wrote it and how you hope it'll be received.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, So that's actually uh, two or three questions. Let me tackle them one at a time. It's it is a major new work. Um, It's over a thousand pages, including the bibliography and indices, and it it you know it has to be long. It covers uh, the theology of all sixty six books of the Bible. Uh, So as you said, my my colleague, uh, Greg Goswell, uh, he teaches at uh, Christ College in Sydney, Australia. Uh, He wrote the portions on the Old Testament, and I wrote the entire. A New Testament section, and then we collaborated on the introduction and the conclusion and some material in between on the New Testament use of the Old Testament. You know, it's always been a dream of mine to write a biblical theology. God is very gracious to allow me to do that, and as a sort of capstone volume to my, you know, 30 plus years of of teaching, research, writing, and I'm so grateful that in Greg, I found a congenial collaborator, which made it all possible. Um, I'm also very grateful for Crossway, who did an incredible job on on the beautiful cover and on editing the volume. Mm -hmm. Now, as to why we wrote the book, uh, Greg and I both have deep convictions about the benefits of biblical theology and also about the way uh, biblical theology ought to be done. Uh, Greg's work uh, has focused primarily on the significance of book order in, in both Testaments, and I've learned a lot from him in that regard. And I believe that biblical theology should be engaged in inductively, uh, historically, and descriptively, uh, in keeping with uh, authorial intent and in in also in keeping with the overall biblical storyline. So writing the book gave us the opportunity to put these convictions into practice and to flesh them out in form of a whole Bible, biblical theology from Genesis to Revelation. You know, it's always easy to criticize other people and to critically review their work. But when it comes time for you to to show how it's uh, supposed to be done, uh, that's an entirely different matter. So. How do we hope uh, our book will be received? Um, it's obviously impossible to know, but our hope is that our book will serve as a helpful resource mm-hmm. and reference uh, volume for pastors and teachers and you know serious Bible students in the church. I would say if academics benefit in any any way, that's a bonus, but. Honestly, we didn't write the book primarily for our scholarly peers, but for people in ministry and in the church.
0: Hmm. That's wonderful. Very good. Well, brother, what is uh, biblical theology and where did the discipline of biblical theology originate?
1: Yeah, so in in short, uh, biblical theology, uh, you know, the start simply is the theology of the Bible. It's, It's the theology of the biblical writers themselves. So as we engage in biblical theology, uh, we need to listen to the various voices of the Old and New Testament writers and to describe what we're hearing uh, in in their terms and within their historical setting. Uh, at least that's what we believe biblical theology ought to be focused on. Now, mm-hmm. as to where it originated, uh, there are at least I mean, there's two answers I could give. Uh, First is that biblical theology is is as old as the Bible itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like, you know, hermeneutics is already practiced by the biblical writers. So when you see Isaiah refer back to the Exodus or or the prophets talk about the law, that's biblical theology. Uh, Mm -hmm. Drawing connections with earlier biblical material. Also, when you read the Gospels, for example, and you look at Jesus himself, they connect the story of of God's dealings with with Israel in many ways with the life of Jesus and even with the work of a spirit in in the church. So, my first answer is that biblical theology is is really as old as the Bible itself. Mm-hmm. and uh, and then my my second answer, uh, relates more to biblical theology as a as a recent academic discipline. As such, the emergence of biblical theology is commonly traced back to the German theologian J.P. Gobbler, as you know, and in his inaugural address at at, at the University of Altdorf in Germany in the late 18th century. In that address, he he urged that a distinction be made, be made between biblical theology as a historical discipline and systematic, or as he called it, dogmatic theology, uh, as a topical compilation of the biblical teaching based on logic, order, and need. Uh, so we wouldn't align with Gobbler on his entire approach. And, you know, in our introduction, we, we have uh, certain disclaimers, but we do think that Gobbler's address sparked a movement that gradually morphed into what we know today as as biblical theology.
0: Hmm. That's really good. I was just thinking, you know, what I, I've read a little bit on the history of this, but maybe for those who, you know, know a little bit more about the history of this, what I've read some concerns with, well, not concerns with the rise of biblical theology, but with the past and its connection to theological liberalism. Do you, are you able to, you know, maybe touch a little bit on that? Or
1: Well, yes, I think it's very important to distinguish between biblical theology um, as such and then the history of the biblical theology movement, uh, which in many ways has given biblical theology a, a bad name, Um uh, as a matter of fact, Brevar uh, Childs, right, who's known for his canonical approach, wrote a book in, in I think it was 1970 called "Biblical Theology in Crisis," and uh, you know, in our book we we say that well, it was more the biblical theology movement that was in crisis. <laughs> biblical theology is actually alive and well, as, as as we can see by the the plethora of publications that are coming out, and and much of. Uh, evangelical biblical theology today, I think, uh, is very hopeful and very positive. Mm, That's really good. Well, um,
0: you know, the Bible is, we know that the Bible is one grand story. It's a meta narrative. What would you say is at the heart of the biblical narrative and why?
1: That's a great question, uh, Dave. And and that's a question everyone who writes a biblical theology uh, will do well to answer. Uh, There's a big picture. Now, Greg and I are not proposing a single center of biblical theology because we believe there are multiple strands to the biblical storyline, like any good story, right? It has a plot, it has some, you know, side plots, it has major characters, it has minor minor characters. Uh, so I think there's a danger that we reduce the Bible to just one central theme. As you know, there are many important themes in Scripture uh, such as creation and new creation, the covenants, uh, redemption, the Messiah, and so forth. So, uh, the, the history of biblical theology is, as, as you study that history, is replete with proposals of various centers that almost invariably end up uh, reducing uh, the richness of, of of the biblical teaching by by not giving enough attention uh, to the variety of Mm -hmm. the biblical material. Uh, Having said that, Greg and I believe that uh, God's love for humanity and his desire that that humans reciprocate that love in in their relationship with God and others is at the heart of the story of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Jesus said that the command to love God with all our hearts, minds, soul, and strength is the greatest commandment. And the second one is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, according to Jesus, this teaching sums up the thrust of the entire Old Testament. So you already have the entire Old Testament and Jesus uh, focusing on Uh, God's love for us and his desire for us to love him back. And then you think of Paul who writes in 1 Corinthians that faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. And then think of the Apostle John, the Apostle of love, who uh, extols love in his signature verse, John 3.16, where he says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. So uh, you see the Old Testament, Jesus, Paul, John, and I could go on and, and talk about the other New Testament writers. I think they all align uh around God's love for humanity and his desire that we love them back in allegiance and devotion, uh, can rightly be considered the heart of the biblical theology. Notice I'm not saying the center, I'm I'm saying kind of the heart of the of the the, the biblical storyline. And Uh, Dave, to my knowledge, no major whole Bible theology has proposed this to date, uh, somewhat surprisingly. So I believe we make a distinctive contribution to the literature in that regard.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's that's really good. Really, really good. I mean, as I think about that, you know, I think about the word has said, and, you know, I did a little bit of when we took Hebrew, we talked about that, the uh covenant love of god so to me that makes a lot of sense you know because you see that yeah, that's right when you it.
1: think about it even uh, a theme like covenant like you said right what's underlying that is is god's love for his people yeah
0: and i think a lot of people miss that and that even at the heart of the law is god's you know god's love they
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know i think that's a really important thing that you're that you're bringing out so mm-hmm. what is the relationship between biblical theology and hermeneutics?
1: Yeah, that's another good question. Uh, So let's define hermeneutics simply as the theory and practice of biblical interpretation. So you could say hermeneutics gives us the ground rules, the principles, and the method by which we interpret Scripture exegetically. And then biblical theology, essentially presupposes hermeneutics and exegesis and uses the results of exegesis to draw connections between the various passages of scripture in an effort to uh, sketch the convictions of the biblical writers as they have come to us in the inspired text of scripture.
0: Mm. That's really good. Really good. I mean, you look at like passages like John five thirty nine, the scripture testified me, you know, Luke 24 27, uh, where Jesus is interpreting all things in light of the scriptures, that's kind of what I think of the relationship between biblical theology and, you know, Mm -hmm. as we, you know, sketch it out, even just maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So what is the relationship between biblical theology and ethics?
1: Yes, yeah, so uh Paul writes to Timothy, uh, in a verse that you uh well know that all scripture is useful for instruction, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. So so scripture is not merely a depository, you might say, of of Orthodox doctrine, but it's actually useful. <laughs> It yeah. uh, it it's practical and it must be put into practice. Uh, and Scripture aims to equip us for every good work. Uh, in in our volume, we co- we quote uh, John Murray as saying that uh, biblical ethics is concerned with the manner of life and behavior in which the Bible requires, and which the faith of the Bible produces. I think that's a really good and helpful mm-hmm. quote. So. Uh, you can see that biblical theology and ethics are very closely connected, and it's kind of interesting, and I, I think I give a lot of credit to Greg Goswell for alerting me to that. Uh, not every biblical theology gives sustained attention mm-hmm. to the Bible's ethical teachings, as, as we do in our volume. Uh, so I think here's another contribution that we make in our book, in that we discuss the ethical teachings of each of the 66 books of the Bible. So You could say that embedded in our work is an entire biblical ethic of of both uh, Old and New Testaments.
0: Hmm. And I think this is where the book really shines a lot is because, you know, people need to know how to be able to address the ethics of the, you know, we could think of ethics, I think, as a term of a a way of application application of Scripture. And I think that's where people you know when they go to their pastor when they ask a trusted christian this is where they're like does this question make sense in light of the bible and it's like this is where a lot of christians i think get really confused so maybe you want to maybe say a, a few helpful things to people that listen um mm-hmm. about how they could you know navigate some of those types of questions whether that's You know, God's will, knowing God's will or, you know, uh, engaging in the public square or, you know, whatever you whatever strikes you in in the moment, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that is our burden, right? To show that biblical theology is. Is practical, you know, I, I we're just now in the process, my wife and I of rejoining. Uh, a church that we used to be part of uh, before we moved away, and now we're back. And so we went to the new members class, and and there we, uh, you know, we learned a lot about uh, what the church believes. Right? Went through the statement of faith. But then, as I as I look at scripture, I realize that being a Christian is a lot more than just believing the right things. Uh, it, it's really being transformed in our character into greater Christ-likeness. And so uh, that is where the ethical teaching uh, of books like Galatians or Romans or 1 first, first Corinthians comes in, where Paul talks about the importance of walking in the Spirit and and being led by the Spirit, uh, exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. And so, um, for example, in our book, in the uh, section on the ethics of Galatians, right, that's where we would talk about things like that. Yeah, it's really good, brother. It's really good. You know,
0: what is the triad hermeneutic and how does it help us discover uh, authoral intents, maybe even what that is, what is authoral intent by studying the historical, literary, and theological dimensions of scripture?
1: Yes, thank you uh, for making that explicit because certainly my work uh, in the volume is based on that triadic hermeneutic, which as you said, involves uh, studying the history, literature, and theology of, of any given passage, uh, you know, regardless of genre. Um, and as you know, I developed that in some detail in, in my book, Invitation to Biblical Interpretation, which um, you may realize it just came out in a thoroughly revised second edition. So I'm I'm excited that you know, I was able to update that and bring that on the latest uh, standard. I had some excellent input from from scholars in the field who looked at at the chronology, looked at the section on preaching, and so forth. So, I, I it was really a team effort in many ways. But but uh, relating it to biblical theology. Uh, Certainly, the attention that I give in the triad to the historical dimension of Scripture, it's directly related to biblical theology, which, as I've argued, is at at the heart a historical discipline that describes the message of a book of the Bible in its proper uh, historical context, whether it's in the Old Testament, part of Israel's history, or in the New Testament— uh, then the, the literary dimension is important in biblical theology as well, in that it puts our focus on the text itself rather than on, on ten years historical background reconstructions or speculative theology. Uh, and then theology, of course, is what biblical theology is all about, as we aim to discover what the biblical author's convictions are about God, about Christ, about the Spirit, about God's dealings. Uh, With humanity over the course of salvation history, so uh, there's an integral connection between authorial intent, biblical theology, and what I call the hermeneutical triad of history, literature, and theology.
0: Would you? uh, That's really good Uh, for those unfamiliar with what authorial intent is. Would you just explain that and why we should even care about that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the 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 question is, um, what controls meaning? You know, and I think it's just a matter of of, of human experience of common sense that that it's it's the author or the speaker. You know, in marriage, when I have a conversation with my wife and and and, and she says something. What she means is what she means. In other words, she controls her own meaning. And, and I can't say no, you actually mean something different, you know, and 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 so uh, I have uh, she owns all the rights uh, to to the meaning as the speaker and, and I may misunderstand. Uh, but, but, but misunderstanding is, is measured by what she actually means, you know, and, and for me to properly interpret what she says, meaning, means that I properly align myself with, with her intended meaning. So it's a matter of common sense of, 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 of your and my, you know, experience. And so it's the same when it comes to interpreting written texts, Uh, if we want to interpret what those texts mean we need to ask you know what did the author mean by the text that he wrote
0: yeah i think this is probably in my estimation um, one of the areas where i i think biblical or books on hermeneutics could do a bit better job and maybe even you know i don't remember when i was in seminary if we talked about that and that that to me is like when i discovered that i was like that really helps not that yeah. you know you get into the purpose and the nature and the dating and all of this but what is the author's intended purpose and then you know that yeah. helps us to understand a lot of you know how we should teach the passage preach the passage write about the passage the the intended context and all mm-hmm. of those other things and so i think that that is uh I think what you said is really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. How can how can uh, biblical theology help the average Christian to read the Bible well?
1: Oh, that's such a wonderful, important question because that's really what it's all about, right? Uh, how can it help uh, us? And of course, you agree we're all ordinary Christians, so there's no special class of you know super Christians out there. Uh, uh, biblical theology, I think, can help us make connections between the various books of the Bible, rather than reading a given passage or book in a vacuum. It can also help us read a a, a given passage in relation to the biblical storyline as a whole. Um, So it can kind of keep us out of trouble that way. Um, So I would say if if you're listening to the show, I'd encourage you to always look for canonical connections as you study a given passage. Um, whether it's places where a given author, biblical author, refers back to an earlier passage, uh, new back to the Old Testament, or even within the same Testament, uh, if I may give one quick example, uh, yes, when you is. study Galatians, for example, uh, just consider that much of the the New Testament background to Galatians is found in the Book of Acts, hmm. where we read about Paul's conversion. We read about the Jerusalem Council, where the church dealt with uh, the very issue uh, of what is the true gospel against the so-called Judaizers who who put extra requirements of uh, salvation on people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I recently taught a class on that, you know, on on, on interpreting uh, uh, Paul's autobiographical section in Galatians 1. Mm -hmm. And... uh, you know, people ask, so what did the Judaizers believe? And, and, and I discovered that uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 1, actually mm-hmm. says explicitly that they said, unless a person is circumcised, they cannot be saved. Mm-hmm. And so this is just so incredibly helpful because when Paul writes Galatians, he pretty much assumes that the Galatians know <laughs> what the Judaizers were teaching. But over there in Acts, uh, Luke spells it out very clearly. So you draw those kinds of connections. Also, uh, in Galatians, Paul refers numerous times to Abraham, mm. especially in chapter 3, and then in chapter 4 also to Sarah, Abraham's wife, and, and Hagar, her maid. So uh, again, uh, as you engage in biblical theology, you'll, you want to ask yourself the question, what does Paul refer to Abraham? Uh, you know, why is he so important? And, and And what role does that connection play in Paul's argument? So those are just a few examples of how using biblical theology can help you interpret the Bible better uh, and with greater understanding.
0: That is really, really good. Really, really good. You know, uh, we have a lot of pastors that, you know, listen to this show as well. So take the same kind of question that I just asked you and take it to pastors, how— how can biblical theology help pastors improve their reading and the and their preaching of the text as you know they're told to you know uh, to teach the word and to help people rightly handle the word of God, Ephesians 4:15 and 2 Timothy
1: 2.15. Yeah. Um, Dave, terrific. I've so much appreciated your um heart for people in the ministry. And so uh I think increasingly uh in my own life. You know, I've been more and more impressed by uh, the centrality of the church in God's plan, and, and and so it's my joy now uh, to teach, uh, you know, extensively in, in, in a local church context. And and so just like I've just outlined the benefits of biblical theology, uh, you know, for, for every Christian, I would say the same, maybe to an even greater degree, uh, applies to pastors who preach God's Word um I think first uh they should proceed on the premise that the Bible was written as Paul says in first Corinthians for our instruction uh that is it it contains important spiritual lessons uh for all of God's people you know regarding God's character uh, his way ways of dealing with people uh, over over the you know the history of of, of, of God's people I I've recently had the huge blessing of listening to a series uh, on the book of Genesis in my own uh, church, where the pastor uh, has taken a biblical theological approach to scripture. and it it has been phenomenal uh, and hugely uplifting spiritually to me personally. Uh, i I just mentioned to my wife the other day that I can't remember a time when I was looking forward so much to the to the next sermon. Uh, and it's because the pastor, is uh, paying close attention to the storyline and, and and has has drawn numerous connections between later and earlier passages in the book. Mm. Uh, there are many times when he mentioned a given connection, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I've, I never saw that before. Uh, mm. As a, as one of my uh, theological mentors, uh, Adolf Schlatter used to say. Uh, biblical interpretation and i would say biblical theology as well is is essentially seeing what's there seeing what's there so good preachers can help us see things in scripture that are there but that we may have missed because we didn't read the bible closely enough or maybe didn't pay as close attention to the various connections uh, that the bible itself makes
0: yeah yeah our our pastor here is preaching through Genesis as well. And he's doing the <laughs> same thing. I'm like, gee, but he crickets. Really? I I took a <laughs> class for that. I've read, I can't even know, yeah. tell you how many commentaries I've read. In Genesis. And I'm just sitting here like, wow, like, how did I miss that? You know, yeah. just like, you know, especially the, when you go back to the authoral intent and the, the intended audience and in talking about that. And then that drives you to see how it is even relevant today. It's, It's Mm -hmm. powerful. It's really, really powerful. So praise God. Well, brother, uh, where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise?
1: Well, thanks, Steve. I mentioned that my wife and I are currently in in transition, and then part of that has been, you know, to give more focus to our ministry, uh, Biblical Foundations, that focuses especially on uh, marriage and family ministry. And as part of that, we uh, we paid someone professionals to uh, revamp our website, BiblicalFoundations.org, and we just launched that last week. So uh, we have a wealth of biblical resources, you know, free biblical resources on that site, everything from from blogs to podcasts and. And even half a dozen courses on some of the books that we've written, Uh, Final Days of Jesus would be one of them for Easter, for example. And uh, there's also a contact page where people can ask questions or request us to speak at their church or conference. You can also find us on Facebook, on our personal page that Marnie handles, and uh, Twitter, where my uh, address is simply at A. Kostenberger, also the LinkedIn page. So there's plenty of ways to connect.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, brother. Well, just as we wrap up uh, our time together, and for those who listen and watch this show, you know, there's always so much to cover in all these uh, conversations. Uh, do you have a few takeaways for those who listen and watch this show?
1: Uh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Well, as you said, it's it's obviously impossible to uh, cover a 1,000-page book adequately in a short interview. So I'd encourage uh, the, the listeners whose appetite has been whetted by a conversation to to check out the book, to read it, to use it as a resource in their teaching, preaching, uh, personal Bible study. I also hope that um, those of you who are watching this are encouraged not only to learn more about the contents of the Bible, but but to become better interpreters of, of God's Word and ultimately to become more Christ-like as you put what you learn into practice uh, I can tell you, Dave, that uh, working on our biblical theology has been a huge blessing uh, to both Greg and I personally. And we hope that God sees fit to use our book to bless the church and his people. I also want to thank you, Dave, uh, so much for the stimulating conversation and every blessing on your own ministry as well.
0: Thank you, brother. You, uh, you're a blessing to so many of us. We appreciate your your ministry uh your help uh, to me personally your encouragement to me and uh thankful for your your ministry and for all the many ways that God's using you guys want to encourage you to pick up this book biblical theology a canonical thematic and ethical approach even if you just read this through slowly you'll you'll be blessed and helped uh dr kostenberger writes very helpfully and he sticks close to the text which that's what we're supposed to do. So thank you, brother, for your faithfulness.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Dave.
0: Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, ServantsOfGrace.org.